Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today, we are experiencing a total meltdown. It is the fifth uh, episode of Transformers Animated, uh, first aired January 19th, 2008. Strangely enough, in Canada, before uh, it ran in the States. Oh, those oh. jerks. Sorry, you're, you're a jerk for that. It's, tr- it's true, we are a nation. You're kidding. <laughs> Notoriously. Canada yes. known for its jerks. Yes. So rude with all their politeness. That's right. <laughs> Hiding our milk in bags. <laughs> Putting gravy on fries. That's delicious. You people are crazy. <laughs> but we'll be talking about condiments later, trust me. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. And uh, this was written by Rich Fogel. This is his first episode of Transformers. He went on to write a bunch more uh, animated episodes. And he also is written for a ton of superhero shows, which makes sense because this is basically a Batman villain origin episode. Oh, this, yeah, this is, this is so a Batman episode. It's it's the first one that's just all out on being about human supervillains. Yes, you know we we had the Angry Archer before, but it wasn't his episode. This no. this is a human villains episode. Well, mostly human, at least. Yeah. Yeah. To the extent that Peter Stormare can be considered a human. Yes. <laughs> Such a great voice. Open with uh, four of our five Autobot cast deciding to uh, research human culture uh, by watching television via their one-button remote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they probably had to make that from scratch. This is true. It ha- it's probably like the size of a surfboard. Yeah, so, I mean, and who do you think even made it? Like, they, I mean, Ratchet's the closest they have. I mean, we know that, that Bulkhead is good with, like, space bridges and stuff. That doesn't mean he's going to engineer, like... So so what I'm saying is you're expecting a lot to have a bespoke remote control size or transformer with more than just one button. I mean, I mean there I... are <laughs> remotes at this point, like for the Apple TV that are just... I think they have one or two physical buttons, but are largely just, like, a trackpad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do have an Apple TV, and that it's got two buttons and then like a directional pad thing. It's in Ooh, the future. Fancy. Yes. Although the touchpad wouldn't work because they're robots with metal fingers instead of like as conductive as flesh fingers. Maybe there's some sort of electronic feedback going on in their uh, in their hands. Because Maybe. we do see them using like touchscreen type stuff. Not necessarily in this show, but I. Pretty sure in, like, Prime, they're using touchscreens. Yeah. So I would say that by Prime, they're definitely a lot more organic-ish than, than they are at this point, but sure. So, yeah, they're, uh, 
I mean, I, and I guess since they're getting cable, I guess at some point a cable guy had to come in and put this in. What? No, they just stole it. Come on. Come on, they're they're superheroes. <laughs> yeah, they don't know the customs. And oh, we were talking fact, about this before we started recording. It could just be digital TV channels. This is true. This is true. Yeah, they're just getting all those like extra TV channels that show like Spengooly on Saturday night. Yeah. And, Battle movies, Johnny Sacco, just flying robot. Yeah. <laughs> or, of course, they could have had a, a cable installer, much as Peter Stormare played a cable installer in a porn movie within a movie in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> uh, he was Carl oh. Hungus. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can guess what happens next. Uh, he fixes the cable. Don't be fatuous, Jeffrey. <laughs> So, yeah, they see uh, some cars being refueled. They see some cars smacking into each other. Oh, I love the visual sight gag of Bulkhead transforming his rear of his car shoulder pad thingies into a recliner. Yes. Sadly, the toy oh, does not just... do that. No, the leader does. It kind of does. It, well, it's not exactly, but, it, it, but it's sort of chair-like. Yeah, the big it's... one can come close. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like him just sticking a straw into an oil, into like an oil barrel. <laughs> yes, like it's a Capri Sun. <laughs> and honestly, that whatever is in that barrel probably more nutritious than whatever's in Capri Sun. That's true. That's. I true. think they also drill that out of uh, the desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they they find those both varying degrees of disturbing. And decide to watch some good old fashioned American wrestling. Uh oh. Uh, is hosted by a Swede? Question mark. <laughs> it's hosted by a Peter Stormare. Yes, yeah. and we can get into this. Peter Stormare is kind of the first celebrity guest star in Transformers history. Yeah. Really? I mean, I mean, not they're... counting Transformers the movie. Yeah. And I'm... Yeah, not counting the movie because I mean, you could. Better. I mean, I guess at that point, by the, the mid-80s, you wouldn't really consider Scatman Crothers or Casey Kasem as voice actors to be special guest stars. Yeah. And he, no, because they were regulars, too. He was a character actor at this point. Yeah. Yes. And I, also doing commercials. Yes. Uh, basically, I generally determine whether somebody is famous or not as to whether my mother knows who that is. Ah, that's not a bad metric. No, I don't know if she necessarily knows his name, but I'd say, uh, you know, the uh, the Swedish guy from Fargo. Oh, it's that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's not a celebrity guest star. He's a, hey, it's that guy guest star. Yes. Yes. (laughs) If you've seen some sort of wacky slash sinister Eastern European in a movie in the past 20 years, there's a good chance it was Peter Stormare. (laughs) It's it's like when we get a little later on when there's Fred Willard. Yes. That's very much hey. Oh, that I'm looking guy. forward to that. Though I totally overheard a couple like older guys in my coffee shop the other day talking about Fred Willard and like the show he used to do. Is it uh, Fernwood Tonight? Yes. Ah. yes. <laughs> talking about, that. I I fought the urge to to pipe in and and say that he did a guest thing on a Transformers episode. Uh, sadly, no sign of his uh, Transformer or of his Fernwood Tonight guest uh, co-host Martin Mull on Transformers yet. <gasps> Aww. Oh, he'd be great. Mm. And Although he does do cartoons. 
Yeah, he did the best cartoon of the early 90s, Mighty Max. Wait, was... What? What? Was he on that? Wasn't that him? No, that was Richard Mull. Richard Mull, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin Mull. I was confused. I still stand by Mighty Max being the best cartoon of the early 90s. (laughs) I concur. Yeah, uh, Storm Eric sort of... if you know him from anything, he, he was in Fargo, uh, where he shoves Steve Buscemi into a wood chipper. Yeah, he is, you know. He, he's the chief nihilist slash porn star in The Big Lebowski. He gets eaten by a ton of tiny dinosaurs in The Lost World. He was in a uh, Volkswagen advertising campaign contemporary to when this came out, where they were making fun of the whole Pimpy Ride style shows. By having people's cars oh, come in, right. and instead of upgrading them, just destroying them and giving the person a Volkswagen instead. <laughs> <laughs> and he, the catchphrase for it was, unpimp the auto. <laughs> Which I, I'm hoping in his next appearance that he does use unpimp the Autobot. <laughs> I don't know if we're quite at the stage where we can use the word pimp in a Transformer show. No, not yet. We're getting there. I, I mean, these were ads that were running on cable TV. I think these ads may have run during commercial breaks for this show. This is possible. And uh, he's also been in two Michael Bay movies, but none of the live-action Transformers movies. But I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. And uh, he's also in John Wick Part 2 uh, in theaters now. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, still? I'm not so sure about yeah, that. Yeah, like second-run theaters. Those are probably still a thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and it, Prometheus Black is kind of dressed like a disco pimp. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Also, Prometheus Black is just a really great name. Yes. It is. Prometheus. makes it so confusing later when he decides to change... <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Should just kept that. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need you... a supervillain name. That is the supervillain name. Yeah. You already have a supervillain name, dude. And he has my favorite supervillain accoutrement, the cape coat. Yes. Wearing Aww. a coat like a cape. Those are great. I used to like to do that, you know, in high school. So, yeah, he is hosting what is apparently a a shoot wrestling match uh, between... So he is like a tycoon who... Uh, sort of, uh, sort of the opposite of, uh, Isaac Sumdak. He deals in biological enhancements. Yes, so he basically takes people and does things with them. Makes them into different people. Yes, makes them into bigger, better, improved people. Stronger, makes them into faster, more alive. Yeah, basically <laughs> Ben 10 monsters. Yeah. And so, yeah, to demonstrate how uh, how good his bio-enhanced people are, he's going to pit one of them against a robot. In a fight wonder. to the finish. Yes. In what was clearly an editing from standards and practices. Uh-huh. <laughs> to the finish. <laughs> no death. No, that's okay, no death. And unsurprisingly, uh, his opponent, the uh, robotic opponent, is Bumblebee. Dun, dun, dun. It seems strange that he wouldn't have bragged to the other Autobots about this. It's possible, but then he 
is probably smart enough to know they wouldn't have let him do it. <laughs> also, An optimist would have said no. Yeah. Also, sorry, Sumdak being in his corner for the match seems like it would have made this a much bigger deal than it's presented as. Yeah, I can see that. Because, you know, she is A, a child, and B, the child of someone fairly important. And yeah, the yeah, daughter of the richest the, man in town. The competition. Daughter of this guy's main rival, yeah. Yes. And also, a bit of Detroit in the uh, background here. You can see a sign in the uh, Autobots base that does say Olympia Stadium and Warren Avenue. Warren Avenue is one of the main thoroughfares in Detroit. And Olympia Stadium is the former home of the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Ha! Huh. It was, I believe, demolished hmm. in like 1980. Aww. Huh. How, how does getting into a professional wrestling match rate on the Cheetor did something stupid scale here of Bumblebee? Well, now I guess it's the little yellow guy does something stupid scale. I mean, it's pro wrestling, so it's supposed to be fake. Supposed to be? We've got our, uh, our wrestling aficionados here to, to talk about. Yeah. I mean, also this guy is clearly Bane by way of Ben 10. Yes. Yeah, he, also, yeah, he, so he's, he's got these pumps on his back that, you know, start pumping when he, he does his thing and then he goes from being this little scrawny guy to being a great big scary Bane guy. Those pumps would require him to have had his ribs removed. Parts of his ribs, yeah. Ah, uh, just like Cher. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Except differently, because this is more the center of, of his torso and not so much at the bottom. Yeah, and the upper back, it'd be pushing his lungs down. And he starts from such this little, tiny, almost Yoda-sized, withered old man. And I... Who looks more like an alien I than I think human. we should also note here that his name is Cyrus the Colossus Rhodes, which is... A simultaneous reference to the Colossus of Rhodes, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, and possibly also to pro wrestler Dusty Rhodes. Almost yes, certainly. Do with Destiny, baby. Destiny. I mean, he is going to uh, he's going to bring hard times to Bumblebee, Daddy. <laughs> oh. Sadly, he doesn't talk like that. He sort of has a generic big dude voice when he's. Well, he's got a little scrawny dude voice. And then he's got a yeah. big dude voice. And he's, he's Corey Burton. Again. Yes. <laughs> Sadly, this is pre, uh, Dark Knight Rises, so he's not doing the Bane voice. Aww. Oh, Bane oh, voice is so good. Great. But with, with his, like, mustache when he, well, in big mode, it's, it's almost not quite Hulk Hogan-y. I do like that his mustache stays the same size when he gets bigger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's like a tiny guy with this droopy, Fu Manchu mustache, and then he gets big, and it's kind of a Hulk Hogan horseshoe mustache. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he becomes huge, and he also develops like, and he's like kind, he's like sort of greenish to start out with. Yeah. And he gets like mottled. He's been ten alien color. I, I, is that supposed to be a reference to like the acne that steroids give you? Maybe. Because later on, that's glowing. So I'm not sure what's going on with this guy. Mm-hmm. In five years, his body will be like 95% tumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Still uh, so getting I, him a longer average career than most professional wrestlers. 
This is true. I, I do appreciate mm. that we get to see Bumblebee learning what it is to be a heel. Because yes. he is the heel, <laughs> and he apparently did not realize that. Poor guy. This is a very anti-machine crowd, weirdly. Yes. Man, now, now I want to uh, see, like, five years down the road, this guy's working in a deli, like... Uh, like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. <laughs> yeah, this, this, uh, yeah, Bumblebee is getting a ton of heat from the crowd here. Sad. He's not, and, he didn't sign up for this. Yeah, he's getting a ton of heat from the crowd, and he's getting a ton of beat from <clears throat> Colossus Rhodes, because he's beating him up. Yep, this yeah. is a very one-sided fight. Yes. And, uh, meanwhile, Captain, our, uh, Captain Fanzone is in the luxury box. Yeah, uh, with and he's making his... poor choices. All right, so he's he's yeah, they're they're you know refreshments here. He's having a hot dog, and he's approached by a condiment bot. And there are three buttons on this condiment bot. There's red, there's yellow, and there's white. There's a hot dog, so it's probably ketchup, which questionable condiment for a hot dog, but we'll allow it. Mm. You got mustard, which is a thing you put on hot dogs. And the white button is that mayonnaise. <laughs> we don't mayonnaise actually, we don't actually see any of it dispensed. No. But when the mustard comes out, he's upset. So clearly, he did not want the mustard. He was touching the white button. So, so basically, no, you you don't put. I put oh. mayonnaise on everything. I have been known to eat straight mayonnaise off oh. my finger. But I would not put mayonnaise on a hot dog. It's not right. No, what I would put on a hot dog, though? What? Thousand Island dressing. Mm. And that's basically ketchup plus mayo. I don't know about that. Uh, I was thinking, like, two possibilities. Maybe it's, like, uh, horsey sauce that, like, um... Oh, yeah, it could also be horseradish. Something like that. Or, or chopped onions. Other possibility? Possibly sauerkraut. Mm. Oh, Mm. yeah. There are options of white things that are not... Completely disgusting to put on a hot dog. <laughs> Although they wouldn't be dispensed from that kind of a condiment bot, would they? It, it seemed to Probably be a primarily cream-based liquid, not like not so. designed for chunks. Yeah, presume is there a separate robot for like pickles and relish and stuff, or is that is it like turn yeah, around? Yeah, I want relish on a hot dog. Maybe should have been a green yeah. button. <laughs> but there wasn't, which suggests that this is mayonnaise. He's trying to put mayonnaise on his hot dog, and the condiment bot saves him from this mistake <laughs> by putting mustard on it. Oh, man, it's got, you know, like, those uh, Asimov uh, rules, except, like, the fourth rule is not to put mayonnaise on a hot dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, and thus we have... That's part... That incident falls, number three of... That falls under the one about not letting humans hurt themselves. I, he must not, through his own inaction, allow a human to consume a mayonnaise on a hot dog. Yeah. That'd be like rule number five, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, th- this brings us to This Is Why I Hate Machines, number three. That's right. Of the series. And this is also some serious municipal corruption going on here, because this is all part of an elaborate scheme for uh, Black to start bio-enhancing Detroit's police officers instead of them uh, just using robots. Yeah, the legality is it's border. Like, he presumably received a free ticket to the show, so technically that's illegal. He's also getting this hot dog. He got a neck massage. He gets a private box seat. Yes. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Th- this is this is some questionable dealing. 
going on here. Also, obviously, he's been watching too much RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're get to, we're get to some RoboCop references later in the show. There's also some rather questionable booking going on because it appears their main event is ending on a countout. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not going so well for Bump. Bumblebee does finally manage to zap him with his uh, stingers, but that only makes him get bigger. And then he throws Bumblebee not only out of the ring, but out of the arena. Through the wall. Into the parking lot. Yes. Oops. And then because he is consumed with roid rage, he jumps out after him. Well, sonic roid yes. rage. Oh yeah, so it's a double countout. The most bullshit of finishes. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we sure? That we, we don't know what kind of match it was supposed to be at the beginning. Maybe it's just become a street fight. I mean, with his last name, it should have been, you know, a dusty finish where the referee... That is I a dusty finish. Well, no. Oh shit, it is! Well, there's no referee though. <laughs> And technically, the dusty finish is one where the face gets the win, and then it's reversed after the fact. Right, due to the, I think it's the referee being knocked out. Yeah, Yeah. where they'll have, like, a second referee come out, and then when the first referee comes to, they call for a disqualification instead, or just (laughs) some excuse to have the crowd go super happy about the thing they wanted to see happening, and then doing take-backsies on it later. (laughs) So yeah, he is. So yeah, Rhodes is smacking Bumblebee all over this parking lot, but then, by God, King, that's the Autobots music. (laughs) They have come to his rescue, and uh, at one point they set off a car alarm, which uh, makes uh, Colossus Rhodes' back knee start flashing. (laughs) Weird, scary. Scary this is foreshadowing here. that he's not only Bane, he's also Venom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, jeez, he is. <laughs> and so, finally, Prowl managed to, manages to hit his obvious weak spot and throws his ninja stars into uh, those steroid pin things on his back, which reverts him back to a tiny guy. Because that's how steroids work. No, I forget. Did we touch on, because it just occurred to me here for some it's it's sunk in for some reason here uh so i assume that was an intentional decision that none of the autobots actually have like guns yes because they they're all like non-combat guys yeah i i think that's part of the theory behind the distinction between autobots and decepticons decepticons are armed autobots are just kind of uh equipped with uh construction equipment type stuff mm-hmm. And it's sort of, I mean, this is, this show is very heavily influenced by the original cartoon. Yeah. And as revealed in Five Faces of Darkness, the Autobots were originally, uh, like, you know, servant robots, and the Decepticons were all military robots. Uh, and that's why the cartoon was dumb. <laughs> back <laughs> it has in its the, charms. back in the early days of the fandom, that was the primary divide was between cartoon people and comic book people. It, it was the Joel V. Mike of its day. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was definitely... And that was usually the the determining factor was whether you thought it was more stupid for them to have been created as consumer products by these weird alien dudes or a god. Yes. 
what, naturally occurring pulleys and gears wasn't an option? <laughs> Nobody really took that that seriously, but I would love to have seen someone argue for it. It took a while for people to sort of rediscover the, the Buddy Ansky run. Is I think for I, a lot of people, it like the primary thing they associated with it was the late Budiansky run, which was nonstop toy shilling and also actually Transformer wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> the long yeah. history. Was it toys? I think the other thing too is that there was a lot of that early stuff that was just sort of dismissed and, you know, it's like, yep, that was, they, those were the early formative days of it. So of course they, you know, didn't have all that stuff sorted out yet, so they just sort of, you know, we had read it, but that was sort of overlooked and, and pushed aside in favor of the more epic Primus versus Unicron stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we are more, it's like, it's it's like, what was it? It was BotCon 96, I think, when I brought a videotape of the English dub of a Headmasters episode and a few Victory episodes. And and we would we were a bunch of my friends and and I actually most of the convention because there there were not actually any post dealer room activities planned because Dennis Barger and uh so so someone found a TV on one of those carts like you have in in school and uh the, some of us who brought random VHS tapes brought those down so I showed that and and that was just like rapt fascination because. This is like stuff that, that no one had ever seen. And then a few years later, I brought that exact same tape to a group of, you know, more, the, the later fans, the coming in after Beast War sort of fans. And they thought it was so hilarious that to this day, there are abundant memes based on the Headmasters episode that was on that tape. So there was a big, as as I guess the the fandom grew, uh, and I think a lot of it, I want to say it actually kind of got a little younger because a lot of the early like, in in Botcon ninety five I was sixteen and I was one of the youngest people around because it was a lot of like college age people who had been like teenagers in G one, but yeah, people just stopped taking everything as deadly seriously. And so then they went back and they saw the naturally occurring pulleys and gears. And instead of dismissing that as, you know, early developmental stuff, they were like, that's hilarious. So it's a lot of uh, just the attitude of the fandom. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, Autobots, of, Autobots of Victorious Roads gets hauled away and Prometheus Black's contracts, I guess he has some with the Detroit police, are now canceled because this is terrifying. Wah, wah. And also, Fanzone hates this more than machines. That's right. Oh, and also, Bumblebee is short. Yeah. Bulkhead has decided that that is the funniest thing ever: is making Bumblebee mad by making fun of how short he is. Even Prowl's getting in on it. Yeah, he and uh, he and Prowl are kind of Statler and Waldorfing it uh, for this episode. Also get the first appearance of Porter C. Powell. That's right. So we are back in Prometheus Black's lab. He is, he's taken a chunk of Bumblebee that, uh, I guess was knocked off and he is testing it to uh, create an acid that can destroy even Transformer armor. But he hears from his financier, Porter C. Powell, who has an amazing pompadour 
and is voiced by voiced by Bumblebee actor Bumper Robinson with a an a spot on Detroit accent. He's very Don King, basically. He's got a uh he was based on somebody from I think an episode of Match Game. He's uh-huh. wearing that exact suit. <laughs> and and the character design was so good that they just pestered Marty Eisenberg to bring him back and give him more. Oh, so this time. wasn't a thing where they were setting him up for later. They just kind of needed a guy here, and they just they liked the design so much they kept using him. I was unaware of that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Powell contacts him via video telephone and says, you know, that wrestling match was a huge disaster. Uh, invent myself and all of the investors are cutting you off, and you can't even get test subjects from the prisons. Which I guess means Colossus Rhodes is an ex-con. Or still a con. Well, possibly still a con. It's, yeah, that's... Also, I just want to go out here and, and say, as the as, as a political-minded person, experimenting on inmates is not cool. Yeah, uh, no. That's dark. That is a little for messed as, up. Yeah, that's literally... As casually as it's shop, it's dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez, it, Maybe he's got that uh, guy from The Wire working for him, uh, like on Luke Cage. Maybe. So, yeah, he has a little hissy fit. He knocks over a bunch of beakers, and he doesn't really seem to notice this, even as his lab is filling with crazy purple fumes. So you know what that means? He's going to get superpowers. It's almost exactly how uh, Mr. Freeze gets his powers on Batman the Animated Series. The the classic... Way of of getting superpowers is a yeah. lab experiment. Yes, I mean that. It's going to either give him super speed or spider powers. <laughs> <laughs> well, so instead he just starts getting green and goopy. I do like that the first supervillain origin that we get in Transformers Animated is the lab <laughs> the lab accident. Yes, it is ideal. And it's also really icky. Like, his hands start melting in his arms, and then, like, from his eyes, this green goop just is pouring out. It's He's just, he's just weeping yeah. acid from his, uh, from his tear ducts, meaning that if this was live action, he would have to be played by Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. <laughs> because if you need a guy with messed up tear ducts, Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> is your man. Yes. Yep. Uh, he's weeping blood in Casino Royale. He's got like purple goop around his eyes and strange. And mm-hmm. then in that uh, that new video game that he's going to be in with that Walking Dead guy, oh, yeah. he's got like black oh, goop yeah. coming out of his eyes. I, I love that he and Hiyoko Jima are just like besties. <laughs> so anyway, now Prometheus Black is emitting this weird acidic goo, or Asku for short. <laughs> I approve. It's green. It's green. <laughs> Please contact a doctor or so much kaboom cereal. <laughs> and yeah, he's just melting stuff with a touch with a with his touch now. With his power, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's got the touch. Well, he's melting like he can melt through pretty much any metal except his disco suit. Is okay, sort of. Well, maybe well you know that's made polyester. of some like horrifying polyester. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, yeah, that's probably. You could take a flamethrower to that thing. So yeah, he's, he swears vengeance on Zumdak. Honestly, but at, at, before this scene where he, uh, where he was like getting his contracts canceled and all that and, and was being angry about machines in general, it's like, so he's going to go make himself a sexy foil costume and, (laughs) and become circuit breaker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is okay, too. I mean, clearly, I guess if anybody had jeans enough to become circuit breaker, it would have been a fan zone. And you're welcome (laughs) for that mental image. Oh. Oh, That's a good thing I can't draw. (laughs) I I assume he'd actually look more like uh, Dino of the Running Man. That's a good point. Probably without the opera singing skills. He would probably wear clothes. <laughs> Let's hope. So yeah, Professor Sumdak is, uh, he's, he's, now he's meeting with, uh, Captain Fanzone and also the mayor and his ever present uh, assistant. And they're demonstrating. He's, he's just got a straight up ED-209 from Robocop. <laughs> Great. Please put down your weapon. You have 20 <laughs> seconds to comply. It's it's not quite the ED two oh nine, like maybe it's an ED two oh eight, but yes. it's like it's, it's heavily enough. inspired by it's got it's got more of a round body it's and it's close enough for plausible deniability, but yes. it's clearly like a sight gag. Yeah. I'm still kinda of bummed that Kurtwood Smith never showed up on this show. Oh. Although again, speaking of things you can't say on a children's television show, bitches leave is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they, uh, whatever, apparently there was a problem with these previously that, uh, there was an unfortunate incident with the captain's wife. I'm sure it was innocuous. Fanzone has a wife? Yeah. I, I completely forgot. I'm sure it was innocuous, but I'm just flashing back to that scene in Robocop where they're demonstrating the ED-209. (laughs) I am authorized to use physical force. But no, I'm sure that, uh, Captain, Mrs. Fanzone was not, uh, pulped by, uh, by one of these robots. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think then that this is why I hate machines would be like his clever catchphrase. It would be like <laughs> the purpose of his vengeance. Uh, so yeah, this also doesn't work too well because it just blows up. <laughs> Oops. But luckily, sorry is just hanging around. And she is on the case, because there's just a chunk of this drone covered in green goop. Yeah. Which raises further questions. <laughs> yes. Telling all y'all sabotage. You say sabotage, <laughs> I say sabotage. Like, okay, so th- this means meltdown, or Prometheus Black got in there, put some goop on a part of the machine, not to completely destroy it, just to slightly sabotage it, but to do that he had to break into Sumdax laboratories, and presumably this is in a secure location where they're having a weapon testing. So what? Maybe he and that's all he does? He just goops up a little machine? Like, well, see, he he does, obviously if it's just like gone, then they're gonna know something's up. Yeah, and if it's obviously super messed up, then yeah, they're also going to know something's up. Yeah. So you had but to do like, it just but, enough. I mean, maybe but he can, like... But that completely goes against what he does next. Well, yes. Maybe he can, like, flow under doors like Clayface? Ooh, probably. He doesn't do that? Well, maybe before he gets his suit thingy, which seems impervious. Well, maybe he, he slips out of it. 
Like uh, like Alex Mack. Oh, that's a deep cut. <laughs> I, I just saw her on Mad Men. Still kind of has that haircut. <laughs> so yeah, he's uh. So yeah, she takes this chunk to a ratchet. He he says, you know, it is sabotage. And uh, yeah, there's this is crazy acid, unlike anything he's ever seen. It and even affects Autobot alloy. Yes. So he's you know he's going to need a couple hours to test it, but Bumblebee wants results now, meaning that even his attention span is short. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's always short. It's not like they're more clever wordplay. They got I mean, there's nothing about him being diminutive. Do you think Bumblebee knows what diminutive? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but Ratchet and Pearl well, yeah, probably the, do. The, the point of the joke is not to make the joke. It's to make Bumblebee mad about them making the joke. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they, they figure, you know, something bad is about to go down at Sumdac HQ. And indeed it is, because Prometheus Black, now outfitted in, like, a super villain disco suit... Complete with, like, a plunging neckline, a big Doctor Strange disco collar, and uh, platform shoes. Yes. And giant metal arms. But he still has the same glasses on. Yes. He's got, like, monster eyes now. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a, there's a robotic Janine Melnitz at the door that he yes. just melts. That's what I would have if I were designing <laughs> robots and needed a receptionist. Some deck systems, what do you want? <laughs> yes. Also, I want to call attention to Sari referring to the Autobots collectively as motorheads. <laughs> I mean, if you want to gamble, they I tell you they're your man. I so wanted the music over the Star Transformation sequence to be that instead of the theme song. <laughs> In fact, there is a Micromaster named uh, Motorhead. That's true. Sadly, he does not have, like, a tiny little uh, Lemmy mustache. Yet. That that needs to be, like... Uh, well, hey, I mean, obviously Hasbro is just going year to year on their new toys, so I'm sure we'll have Micromasters in a year or two. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, uh, sorry, calls uh, Isaac, says that, uh, you know, there's... There's a problem. You've been sabotaged. He wonders, you know, who who would want to sabotage me? Everybody loves me. And I'm then seeing... Meltdown just melts through his door. Because, yeah, I guess, because, yeah, he is now calling himself Meltdown. Yes, because he knows. He knows how this works. I mean, Detroit does already have supervillains. So, yeah, having a supervillain name is like a thing. Yeah. Meltdown is like, well, cool than Prometheus Black. This is true. Yeah. As a name, yeah. He's like, well, I guess I need a supervillain name. I mean, I guess his powers aren't really Prometheus-related. I mean, they're... Primordial ooze? Like, he, like he doesn't have, like, fire powers or the power to regrow his liver after it's been eaten by an eagle? Well, he's, <laughs> he's you know, creating forbidden technologies, I guess. That's true. And I think we later find out that his uh, company is called Biotech Unbound. Oh. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> and of course, Prometheus, also the name of a Batman villain. Prometheus Unbound, also mm. the name of Beast Machine's episode. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
as you will recall. Yes, we've made the Prometheus joke before. <laughs> so alone. So alone. I mean, is he a Batman villain? He's more of a Justice League villain who is just beaten by Batman. Yeah, and I guess he's kind of got like the parallel Batman origin, where he was like a like he, his criminal parents were killed by a police officer in an alley. Oh right. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's, he wears like purple, and he can like download people's skills into his brain. He's kind of like Taskmaster, except he doesn't dress like a skeleton pirate and is therefore inferior. Aww. <laughs> uh, is it wrong that I really like the Udon comics redesign of Taskmaster? I mean, I'm I like anything that involves him wearing a nonsensical skull mask. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of him. And that George Perez initial design is a little busy. It, it's the, the color layout of the chest. It's just got one color too many, and that color is orange. Yeah. Yeah. But orange. It looks like a Howard Johnson's. <laughs> anyway, so they, they get to uh, Sumdak Tower, and then they bonk right into a force field. Oops. Which seems like kind of a bad strategy, which they point out. <laughs> because the police can't get in there either. Yep, they're just sort of stuck in there with whatever the problem is. Also, what happens if you're like halfway between there? Do you get split in half like that cow on Under the Dome? Oh, man, that's gross. Ew. (laughs) The deep cuts Under the Dome. That was a show you watched. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like two or three of them. So Ratchet does manage to, uh, you know, use his magnets to open a force, to open a hole in this force field. But Fucking magnets, how do they work? They work by opening <laughs> holes in things, question mark. <laughs> but unfortunately, Colossus Rhodes has been busted out of stir, and he is here to run interference. Yep. So, Sari and Bumblebee get through, but then Colossus Rhodes wedges Bulkhead's gigantic ass in that hole. That is <laughs> uh, just so weird. I like how embarrassed he is. He is. He's so embarrassed. Yeah. Guy. Bulkhead is so huggable. And Rhodes' uh, steroid venom pillars have been reinforced so that you can't just hit them with your uh, ninja stars anymore. So they've yeah. actually got to fight him. <laughs> so while Sari tries to use her key to deactivate the force field... Bumblebee uh, has to race up the elevator shaft using his wheels, which is a cool uh, little bit. Yeah, or possibly accidentally yeah. give the force field life. Yes. It's not quite what... <laughs> you got to be careful. And, uh, yeah, apparently Sumdak and Meltdown are on, like, a first-name basis, because uh, sometimes she calls him Prometheus. Yeah. Like, did they go to mad science school together? Maybe. I mean, he talks about, like, being more educated than than some decks, so... I mean, he sounds like he knows him. He sounds like, like this is a, a ongoing grudge. Yeah. yeah he is smarter, like better-looking. Professional circles. Yes. He is smarter, better-looking, and more educated. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of see the better-looking beforehand, assuming that he just kind of looks like Peter Stormare. <laughs> well, his head was sort of football-shaped I mean, before, which... Everybody's kind of got weird-shaped heads on this show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Isaac Sumdeck is not a looker. No. <laughs> no. 
He's sort of like a pumpkin balanced on top of an avocado. <laughs> but currently, Meltdown is like a weird melty skull guy. Yeah. Like, if this weren't animation, he'd look super gross. Like, I don't know, the Toxic Avenger or something. Aw, man. His proportions do kind of make his head look dumb. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, he makes the mistake of spending way too long monologuing. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got me monologuing. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Gets, gets in there, grabs Isaac, and then drives down the stairs. Which, this is a tall building, and I think some deck's in, like, top floor. Yeah, that's got to be a while. It's a long, well, as we can see, by the time they get down there, uh, Sumdak is extremely dizzy. Which was yeah. Amazing. Aww. And then Meltdown just melts through the floor, which is cool. Yes. Uh, then, wasn't there a movie called, like, Underworld or something like that, where somebody does the same thing, but with bullets? Yes, yeah. that was, uh, saw that <laughs> in the movie theater. Yeah, that was, uh, the first Underworld movie, which, like, like, it physically impossible, like, she only has two handguns. She never reloads. I don't think she ever reloads into the entire movie, but just shooting through the floor, so many bullets. It, you could use the bullets to weight down the floor. You would need to shoot through the floor and just crack a hole through the floor. <laughs> in my defense, I didn't pay to see it in the theater. <laughs> it was first year university, and our residents had the least damage. Our, our floor on the residents had the least damage, so we got to go to the movies for free. But the only <laughs> thing playing was Underworld. It's not an entirely horrible movie. It, stupid fun. Stupid fun movies can be fun. I can't understand how there are like ten sequels to that movie that made it to theaters. I, I can't either. Maybe there were better written. I, uh, the guy who wrote it writes comic books too. Yeah, that's uh, and he's also uh, he's a character actor, Kevin Grivier. Yeah, he's 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 a, he's a he's a black man with a super deep Darth Vader voice. Yeah. You've definitely seen him playing henchmen in something. <laughs> so yeah, they, sorry, finally shuts down this force field. But of course, they're still dealing with Colossus Rhodes. But Bulkhead okay. does manage to get in there and grabs, uh, Meltdown, who then just starts melting his hand, which looks horrifying. And sounds horrifying. Yeah. Well, yeah. back his line of just screaming in agony is way too real. Yeah. yeah, did they just have, like, David K. stomp on his foot or something? <laughs> and it's it's especially upsetting coming from him because he usually plays sort of innocent, hapless characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he does. I'm trying to think of a character he's played that isn't sort of innocent and hapless. Uh, uh, yeah, even that guy from stand, from, really. Yeah. It's a toe-line from... Uh, Robots in disguise. He he could what? be a tough guy. Well, that's not Bill Fagerback. Oh, it? that's right. He was some guy who is doing a Bill Fagerback voice, isn't he? Yes. Ah, cheap knockoff voice actors. I mean, he's not the guy you call when you want, you know, a sinister mastermind. No, he's really not. Um, well, although he did play Hydro Man on uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Ooh. Oh, and Hydro Man is really creepy. He's only creepy on that one cartoon where he's like a setting stalker. He's only creepy in that one cartoon where he's creepy. Well, and and also he's being played by uh, what's his name, uh, Rob Paulson, being super creepy. Ooh, I like Rob Paulson. 
It's <laughs> Rob Paulson at his stalkeriest. <laughs> like in the comics, he's just kind of a guy in a black T-shirt who robs banks and is made. I mean, anyway, so I feel like this can be summed up with best known for roles on Bill Thagabraki's IMDb page: Hunchback of Notre Dame, Oafish Guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think every role he's ever played, and possibly him in real life, can be best summed up as oafish. Aww. I'm sure he's very nice. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, so they're still fighting Colossus Rhodes outside. Uh, he ends up chucking Op- Optimus Prime into a church bell, and once again, that bell makes his uh, makes his back knee glow. <laughs> As Lone Prowl figures out, oh hey, this guy's Venom. <laughs> yeah, now and you I know. can defeat him exactly the way that Spider-Man defeats Venom in, in Amazing Spider-Man 300. Oh, and pretty much every Venom Spider-Man defeats well, yeah, Venom. But it was specifically a church bell, though. Yeah, and in the '90s animated adaptation, and in Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'd block most of Spider-Man 3 out. I remember rebars and he was smacking him. I don't remember a bell. I'm pretty sure there's also a church bell. Yeah, right. It's all right when he gets it off at the beginning. Yeah, because uh, Topher Grace is downstairs, like praying for God to kill Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> and so yeah, they Prime keeps hitting this bell once Prowl figures out what's going on, and they finally eventually bring the bell down on top of him and ring it, which. I think that might literally kill a normal person. Yeah, you would think. Like, it would possibly at least bless their eardrums. That would make your bones into jello. Cranial trauma, yeah. maybe? It would not be good. So yeah, he's, uh, he's deaf now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Bumblebee ta- uh, saves Bulkhead Secret Service style by diving in front of an acid blast. <laughs> Which, at very short range, Prometheus Black is still, like, in Bulkhead's arm, so Bumblebee had to jump basically where Bulkhead's elbow is to well, take he's very hit. fast. Yeah. It's like his thing. And also he tiny. He wants you to know. Yes. Because, I don't know, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but uh, he's short. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard. He's short. He's short. So, yeah, they... Prime yeah. runs up, uh clonks... Meltdown with this church bell. But, of course, he burns right through it because it's metal, and you probably destroyed a priceless artifact, uh, Prime, so, you know, good good job. I mean, can you blame him? It worked with the last guy. He just wanted to, you know... Yeah, the last guy was made of acid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It burns through you guys. Are you stronger than, I don't know, brass? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, Ratchet does hook himself up to the uh, the force field, and then he just Sue Storm's meltdown in a force bubble. So he can't melt energy. (laughs) So he just gets stuck in there to stew in his own juices. To get stuck in there until Ratchet has to turn off the magnet. Like, how does... It's not a permanent solution, and how do you transfer him into something else? I mean, are they... skip over that step. I mean, there are a bunch of supervillains in Detroit, so maybe they have, like, the vault... Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Honestly, I was kind of expecting him to just escape. Instead of melting through the bell, just melting through the floor and leaving to try again another day. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of figured that's what it was going, since I barely remember this And then show. I think the next time we see him, he's just on the loose, and we never find out, like, that he broke out of jail. He's just not around. You know, uh, as happens. Yes. But anyway, so, uh yeah, everybody is more or less happy, except, of course, now Bumblebee has saved the day, and they're going to have to hear about it forever. <laughs> oh, he's going to be insufferable. Oh, yes. yes. More so than usual. <laughs> and so, yeah, that is, uh, that is the end of Total Meltdown. It is a very superhero-y episode, and I had a lot of fun with it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I also love Peter Stormare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peter Stormare is great. I love it whenever they do a wrestling match in a cartoon. <laughs> and moves out of good pace it's fun it has enough stuff going on that you're never bored no it's not too deep doesn't really connect to the overarching plot but uh i had a good time yeah fun robocop references because you can't get into the police force in detroit without robocop references (laughs) (laughs) frankly if you were proposing the police in detroit use drones you would make them look like ed 209 yeah yeah and now I just want to watch RoboCop. <laughs> In fact, I may have to make it a double bill with the movie that uh, next week's episode made me think of. Oh, what's that? Well, uh, oh, of course. Well, yes. <laughs> da, 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 well, da, da, well, obviously, it's, uh, it's called Blast from the Past, so I'm thinking of the uh, early, from the late 90s um, Brendan Fraser, Christopher Walken epic Blast from the Past. Oh, okay. All right. Anybody see that movie? That was the one where he was in a bomb shelter for like uh, two, three decades, right? Right, and they come out in like the 90s and they think it's the 50s or something. Like he's, he's aged to manhood in this. Uh, yeah, I, I have not seen it. So it's a really boring adaptation of Fallout? Well, no, it's like a comedy. Oh. It's a rom-com. Yeah, it's kind of like a like a wacky uh, Back to the Future y kind of thing, making a bunch of fifties ah. jokes, possibly the sixties, okay. somewhere around then. Then it would be <laughs> make sense for a guy to hide in a fallout shelter. Yeah, but anyway, of course, until next week, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Tumblr, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net. Uh, where we also have our news show, Icon Underground Radio. Uh, we also have a Patreon set up uh, to help support our growing hosting fees uh, and upgrading equipment and the like. Uh, that is at patreon.com slash underground. And, of course, you can find us on whatever podcast provider you prefer, whether it be iTunes or Google Play. Wherever you do find us, please rate and review us. We'd really appreciate it. And if you want us to... If you want to let us know how you think about Peter Stormare or uh, anything about Transformers Animated, then give then drop us a line into the Maxim mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, we brave extinction to face last from the past. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. Kanada, 
best part of the, those G.I. Joe movies was Zartan. Which oh, I oh. never would have guessed going in. Ar- Arnold Vos, I always enjoy Arnold Vosler. Also in those mummy movies. Is, uh, the titular mummy. And also his, uh, name is fun to say. Arnold Vosloo. Makes me want to curry. <laughs> oh, hey, he's also in that, uh, he's on that Voltron show, which I didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, I really gotta yeah, watch, you watch that at some point. People say it's good. I, I still Voltron. really feel like the main problem with G.I. Joe at this point is the protagonists suck and the antagonists are one of the better villain teams out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, I forgot that, uh, Electra played Jinx in that movie. Oh. From the second season of Daredevil. I forgot Jinx was in the movie. <laughs> From when it started being about ninjas. Well, it's got the, it's got the Rizza as, uh, the blind master. Which was kind of amusing. Somewhere I actually have his action figure. Oh, apparently Xandar is also in it. Xandar? I uh, vaguely Zartan's brother. That yeah, I know. Being I, nothing. Don't remember, I don't remember any other Dreadnoughts in the movie. He's like the head of, the, he's probably like a guy who's Xandar in name only. He's not like a guy mm. dressed as, you know, a Dayglo Mad Max guy. <laughs> but, but a Dayglo Mad Max guy. Uh. Oh. Alright. So he is apparently we... the president's uh, chief bodyguard. Oh. And he's probably not At like a time. secret service guy with pink hair. Sadly, no. Uh, Although, the reason he's there is because Zartan is the president in, at the start of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I love that the uh, Cobra guys technically won in the first movie. Yes. They technically win in both movies. Don't they? I mean, they get away in the last movie, but isn't the president still alive? I mean, they do destroy, like, London. Yeah, well, no, they... They also wait in the first movie. Yeah, the president gets away. They, they instill a president <laughs> through swapping, and they probably do some other things while they start at Cobra, but they get their asses kicked. But in the second movie, they destroy was all nukes or something. They have a uh, orbital bombardment satellite, where it's just oh. they have like a hundred foot tall titanium rod that they just synchronize the satellite over their target and drop. Super. Super railgun without doing anything. Just <laughs> Alright, I am now done with screwing around with things. I do love a good dumb railgun bit in a movie. Like, uh, the end of Eraser, in which Arnold dual wields railguns. <laughs> uh, same movie in which he has to kill a bunch of escaped zoo alligators. <laughs> <laughs> you are luggage. <laughs> 